Hey folks, sorry for the delay on this one. Uh, I've been sick for over a week now, and uh, I rarely get sick, but when I do, it takes me out uh, pretty good. My voice was gone after food poisoning, and um, and then some nasty bug that was going around took everybody out at work and took <clears throat> took some friends out, among other people, and it was bad. But I'm feeling better now. Now I can actually speak into this thing and tell you all about this latest episode with Haley Kane, who fronts Haley and the Crushers. Uh, she's been on before. We talked about her last album, Vintage Millennial, and we're back now to talk her latest album, Modern Adult Kicks, out now uh, through Kitten Robot Records. Uh, I'm going to catch them over at the Redwood Bar in L.A., on the 26th and it's gonna be a blast I haven't been there in a while I haven't been there since man I don't remember co-ed uh, that might have been it and uh, yeah so I'm actually gonna get get to take pictures at this one uh, they don't have some stupid Viper room policy but there is something unbelievably clear about this album modern adult kicks um, I think her writing, she's tightened it up a lot. The sound, the production, uh, it's a little more focused and in a positive sense and not, not to knock previous work at all. Um, this is an evolution. This is a step forward. It's a step in the direction you want to go. Um, something you expect and hopefully don't demand of uh artists but something you expect you expect growth and you expect you want it you want to see it you want to hear it growth in writing growth in production growth in just skill altogether i think it's so cool to be able to hear that aspect in a person's or band's career it's it's really cool it's just it's just so cool to hear. So on that note, I have Cul-de-Sac, track two from Modern Adult Kicks, uh, to carry us into the interview. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to my raspy ramblings. And um, stay tuned for more because we've got a lot more coming. Uh, the show's coming up November 26th at the Redwood Bar. Come say hi. Come check them out. Come get some merch. Come get some cool t-shirts and some vinyl. They're pressing vinyl, as everyone should be doing. I know it's expensive, but come on. Come on. Make it happen. I'll be there. I'll be taking pictures. They don't have some bullshit Viper Room policy, so I will be there with my camera, taking pictures and posting them. And you know where to find those. So, without further ado... Here is Cul-de-Sac from Modern Adult Kicks.
Uh, how you been? I've been Fabulous. talking to you since the release of uh, Vintage Millennial. Yeah. Wow. Oh my goodness. Really? Yeah. Which I feel like wasn't that long ago. <laughs> Wait. Really? Was it Vintage Damn. Millennial? Yeah, that was a while ago. Um, yeah. Or was it already what? out? I think it was already out when you played yeah. Viper Room. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So it was right around the time we moved yeah. from um, California to Detroit just before yeah yeah and here yeah. we are that's what i thought i was like it wasn't that long ago <laughs> no, um, no yeah we're just experiencing like our first fall here in detroit we just did um the modern adult kicks tour to support the album yeah we're kind of almost at the tail end of that uh we're playing the west coast in a few weeks and um yeah i mean it's been an experience for sure <laughs> yeah <laughs> how's the how was the move um I talked to you just before, like you were finishing up packing and I think you were yeah. heading out in like a couple of weeks from there. Yeah, I mean, it was a total, you know, change of pace for us. I mean, we moved with a small trailer of our stuff, like very small. Um, we didn't bring a lot of things. We didn't bring any furniture. We mm. left everything kind of in California. Uh, so... <laughs> We kind of arrived at our friend's basement with just like our necessities and our gear and our dogs. And so that was quite um, an interesting experience. And along the way, you know, driving cross country, we stopped at all sorts of fun places like um, we're Elks members. So we stay at different Elks lodges for free cool. or for cheap, which is nice. Yeah. For any bands that like, you know, want to tour for cheap, it's a great great organization and actually they they really do care about communities they're not like these scary white guy societies anymore <laughs> it's um, not that illuminati group like, anymore <laughs> yeah it's they let everyone in and there's women and there's people of color and there's there's uh drag queen bingos and all sorts of fun things at certain lodges um some <laughs> of the lodges we stayed at though were kind of fun like there was this one in amarillo texas that had this amazing kitchen that was like making like chicken fried steak and all this like fun stuff that we had never really eaten on the road and then like one of them in like uh new mexico had a had a casino in it oh cool and it, it was like on a mesa and like it was just like gorgeous and so that was kind of fun to like spend the night in the van like in the parking lot at these lodges and like stopping at like different roadside places like different just historic you know balls of twine and all the like <laughs> all the fun like wet like just try drive driving across the country things happened so that was kind of cool then we got to Detroit and it was several months of like looking for houses and trying to figure out this whole new ecosystem so um just I'm really going into the detailed version. Sorry. Uh, it, no, it's been great. great. I mean, it, it has been wild. We did find a house. It's a 1926 fixer upper, very small house mm -hmm. uh, that is like in complete construction. And we're in we're living in the construction zone. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, nice. it's an adventure. Yeah. <laughs> so you surrounded like by plastic walls and stuff like that. Pretty Pink much. Buckets. Like the reason yeah. I put the background on here is like it's just not very sexy looking at this point. Like <laughs> our entire living situation is just in the living room because the rest of the house is like stripped. So yeah. um, you know, that's the what happens when you buy a 90-year-old house. But uh our, our cool. latest uh our latest single taboo, we did a video for it and we filmed some of that video up in our attic, which is quite creepy. Mm. So, <laughs> 
if anybody like watched that video, you saw like our, our super unfinished, creepy attic that's obviously haunted. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think attics are like ever visually appealing unless they're completely decked out as an apartment or something. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and and we're like not used to, you know, attics, you know, as West Coasters, we're like, we're just not used to attics or basements. So it's kind of fun to like have both and like to go to some, like we went to a show in a basement, like the first few weeks we were here. And that was mm. very like exotic, like, ooh, a basement <laughs> show. How cool. <laughs> There's one in Riverside um, that cool. they haven't, I don't think they've done shows in a long time, but they used to do shows like every Wednesday and uh, it was in a basement and no one knows where another one is. No one can name a second one. And it's like, <laughs> that was the only one. And it's so cool. Just all brick walls. Yeah. And it's just very, it's got its own feel, you know? Yeah. Imagine doing it's... a show in an attic though. Yeah. Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> At that point, but it's yeah. just a, another room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's been, it's been very interesting. Mm. Uh yeah, it feels like it's been 10 years, but it's only been a few months. So <laughs> <laughs> that's good and bad, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you hop right into the scene getting uh, getting to Detroit? Um, I think scene? like the plan for us was really just to like go and support people's bands. And like, that's kind of what we did. We just started going to shows like mm. we live in between two really great venues. Um, one is called Outer Limits, which is just right on the outer limits of Hamtramck and Detroit. Mm. We we technically live on the border of Hamtramck and Detroit. And Hamtramck is like a very small, um, traditionally Polish town that's now got a lot of Yem immigrants from Yemen and Bangladesh. And um, it's very much known for its art scene and its music scene. There's a lot of great bands Ooh. here in Hamtramck. So the mm. other venue, which is technically in Hamtramck, is called Smalls. And they're fantastic. They're just always touring bands and local bands so it's been kind of fun that we can just kind of like walk down the street and see all these div this diversity of music and I feel like it's very like garage rock oriented it's very like avant-garde there's some psychedelic music here um all very like like just very vibrant and like everyone's doing their own unique thing so mm -hmm. that's kind of fun to to kind of get a slice of that so yeah we've definitely been going out and supporting cool cool doing much exploring too yeah, I mean, we it's it's weird because right now uh, Dr. Kane has a van, has our van mm -hmm. uh, when he goes out to work on different projects. He's a builder. So he mm -hmm. goes out and does like kitchens and bathrooms. So I don't have a car right now. I sold my car when we moved because I figured I'd need like a snow, a snow fairing vehicle. And <laughs> it just didn't make sense to travel in two cars. So I'm basically on foot all day and I work from home. Uh -huh. So I'm exploring Hamtramck a lot. It's very walkable. It's a very interesting little, it's a, it's basically a small, it's a small town. It's called, um, what do they say? It's like the whole world in two square miles. Like their, oh, cool. their, their, um, their school system speaks like 24 languages. Whoa. Yeah. It's wild. It's so diverse. And there, the diversity of the food and just like, oh, it's just so interesting to me because I haven't really eaten, you know, so much Polish food and, and um, Bang Bengali food. And so it's been very interesting. Um, so I've been like exploring Hamtramck a lot and just walking around and like going to all these little stores and like going to these record stores and thrift shops and, and, and diners. But as far as like downtown goes, we just have barely scratched the surface and we're mm. just so excited to like, 
um, we have our anniversary coming up, our nine year wedding anniversary on Tuesday. And we're going to just go downtown and just like spend all day walking around and just like get into it Mm -hmm. and just explore it. So get all in. Cool. Yeah. It's a big city. I mean, it's a sprawling city. I mean, it's a it's like Los Angeles in the sense that there's so many areas of Detroit and they're all I mean, Motor City. They're Mm. all like for driving to they're all this cruisable kind of terrain. So we're just, you know, experiencing one thing at a time. And that's the beauty of moving to a new city. I guess you get to peel off the layers. Yeah. Little by little. Right. No rush. You're going to be there until further notice. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we've been really just people have been really welcoming and just the culture here is great. And I just love that there's, there's just this like opportunity that isn't there on the West coast in the sense that you can build something new, you can come in. And if you have a cool idea, there's space for you to grow and there's space for you to kind of put down roots. And mm. so it's been a fun adventure to just kind of like show up and be like, this is our thing. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) And feel like, Hey, you know, people, people we're, we're making a name for ourselves, you know? Oh, awesome. Yeah. Is that, is that a, is that a common um, theme among um, transplants or, or are there a lot of transplants in Detroit? Um, It's funny because the ones that are here, we all kind of find each other because it's kind of a interesting place to move to. Mm. Um, not to say that it hasn't been coming up for quite a while and that it's not on the up and up because it certainly is, but it's a little early for people to start just flocking here. Yeah. So like, for instance, I met this woman, Karen, who it's so funny. I like, I totally connected with her. She worked at this vintage store in Hamtramck called Rat Queen Vintage. And <laughs> nice. I halfway through the conversation, I'm like, you seem so familiar. She's like, yeah, I'm from LA. And I used to run this really cool venue out of a, a Victorian house in, in LA and I'm like oh yeah I used to go to those parties and like whoa I had legendary dance parties she's like oh yeah she's like oh my gosh you, you're from California too and you're here and I'm like yeah and she's like oh cool like we're both here together like so <laughs> you find like the the kind of people that are and she's come for similar reasons you know mm. her and her husband are just really entrepreneurial and just have a lot of cool ideas Mm. so you do kind of meet these people but i've only met a handful and they're all zany and they're all a little weird (laughs) like the ones that moved here are like a little nutty yeah i will say yeah (laughs) always more so than locals right locals you can kind of pick out and and they're pretty i mean well they you know run the spectrum too but uh yeah yeah i mean i i feel like you could say about any place like when I lived in, I mean, I'm from California. I've lived there my whole life. And when I lived there, everything to me seemed normal. So everything mm-hmm. about California was normal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you could probably pick me out as a local because I thought everything that was going on around me was absolutely normal. But the things that make California unique and wonderful and also annoying are all part of that region. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm realizing now how much of a Californian I, I am coming here because some of my expectations are the expectations of like a West coast person. And uh, that's just really not the environment we're in. We're in a very different ecosystem. And so mm. that's been very humbling to, to deal with things like weather and things like infrastructure, not being fantastic and mm. not being taken care of. And the sense that people have to take care of their own little sidewalk area because there really isn't anyone coming to like, you know, sweep everything up and keep it clean and sparkly. And so yeah. it, it's been interesting to like meet my own 
privileges in some ways and, and realize, you know, I was kind of pampered and this <laughs> is a big city, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> from the, yeah. from uh, San Luis Obispo. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's a very privileged and white and, and just moneyed area. I mean, it, mm. it was, it really didn't, it didn't really jive with our values and who we are. And so mm. I think the scrappier kind of lifestyle has been, it's been a learning curve, but it's also been great. You know, like mm-hmm. people are just, they're really not afraid to just like get to work and do their own thing. And I love that. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, DIY. It's been a good mm-hmm. DIY ethic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so yeah. cool. That's so good that it's uh good to hear that it's, it's been a good transition. Yeah. I mean, it's been like, there's definitely been bad stuff to happen, but I don't know how much <laughs> I want to go into that. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, yeah, feel free, but uh, no, feel I free mean, not to also, if you don't everything, want to. Everything in life is 50, 50. I think that's a really good philosophy. There's a life yeah. coach that does a podcast. Her name's Brooke Castillo. She's like a woo woo life coach person. Mm-hmm. It's very cheesy, but her mentality in life is that like everything's 50, 50. If you get, anywhere in life you think is like the a better stage like you oh i got to the the next level it's still 50 50 it's 50 percent mm. good 50 percent bad and all you're doing is experiencing more interesting problems so it's like yeah. we're always having problems but are you going to choose new problems and it's like we chose new problems and <laughs> it's it's stimulating it's interesting but it's yeah. also like definitely not a bed of roses we've definitely had a lot of issues in like in terms of like I don't know, just like even just setting up basic services, like getting water turned on took weeks, even just getting the house. It took months to close on the house because of many problems that are unique to Detroit Mm. in in itself. And, you know, we've we've dealt with also our own like, I don't know, interpersonal, just how we come off, you know, in the scene Mm. and like and that kind of thing where you realize, okay, like you're you're standing out but not in the best way sometimes and so you know kind of learning just how to fit in in a new community is definitely like not the easiest Mm. but it was kind of one of those things we felt like would grow us as people and like show us the ways we could change and grow and that is happening so even the stuff that has been hard or like you know not having a lot of close friends not really having any close friends here has been definitely difficult for Dr. Kane and I um there's been some shuffling of band members there's been a lot of new faces that have come in faces that have come out it's just like all that stuff is not easy but no so it's been a complete transition wow in every way so you've only you only know a couple of people out there then we don't really know anyone i mean we Mm. moved here knowing no one so we knew um a drummer that we were playing with um and we knew a couple friends, but like, not really, we didn't mm. really know people. And so, um, yeah, like when you make friends as an adult, I think you just realize like even more what your values are. Cause you just go, okay, well, what do I want in a friend? And then you start evaluating that. Whereas if you just come from where you come from, you just are with people you've been with since you were, you know, you knew them for 10 years or you were in a band together you kind of just have proximity friendships. And I feel like it's been interesting to like, see, okay, well, who are we gravitating towards? Like, who are the people that we're meeting that are like in tan- like in line with our vision? And mm-hmm. and it's kind of, as an adult, I feel like making friends is so much more of like a job interview. 
Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, because you're not... fine tuning everything in your life, right? Yeah. Including relationships. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. It's been a very like, yeah, it's been a full transformation for the Crusherverse. But um, we're excited to come back to the West Coast in a couple of weeks and see some friends. We're going to eat Mexican food. Dr. Kane's going to go surfing. I'm going <laughs> to see family. And I'm going to go to Philippe's French Dip in downtown LA and like all those <laughs> things. So we're, I mean, we can always go back. So yeah, we're just, yeah. there's always a home over here, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We're, yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe after this winter, we'll just be like, screw this and come home. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, why not? That's the beauty of just being mobile and, you know, flexible. Yeah, that's the van, honestly. Like, we're we're gearing up the van for the the drive back Mm. to California. And it's fun. Like, being in a van makes you feel so, like, the world is your oyster. You can just go anywhere. (laughs) I liked your uh, post to that note, uh, on that note, about... um, Oh, you're on tour. You get to see so many interesting places. And there's like a picture of like some filthy bathroom and like a gas station. And (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. I feel like every band has posted that at some point, but it's so true. Like Mm. just, I was looking through my phone the other day. I wanted to do like an Instagram reel that was all just bathrooms from tour Mm -hmm. and I could do it. Like it made me realize, yeah, like the, the, the simple joys in life are like, putting your sticker up in the bathroom at like Mm. a disgusting bathroom and being like, my sticker is going to be right above the urinal. (laughs) And then like eating some good food, taking a great nap before the show, like trying to get a nap in. And then like, hopefully you pray to like whoever's up there that like some people come to your show. And Mm. this last tour, like the modern adult kicks tour that we're technically still on. I mean, people came and the people that came were very cool and into it and like awesome people but it was definitely a smaller group of people than Mm pre-pandemic and the people that were there I felt like there was still this weirdness in the air both from the venues and from the people the Mm -hmm. audience and maybe the bands too because we're all a little bit like I mean like we haven't been touring I mean it's very new that we're all back to touring yeah and so that was kind of like not a shock but just kind of like a wake-up call that like man making records is really fun maybe that's the way to go (laughs) (laughs) because touring is great but sometimes it can be so exhausting and you're just like uh, can we just wait until this industry like resets itself and people like maybe get confidence back that they can go out and sweat on other people (laughs) we're not we're not there yet like I, I don't even know if I'm there yet oh LA is there for sure really Um, la's over it it seems like every show i've been to downtown elsewhere it's packed like everybody's people are wearing masks still but um most people aren't and most people are just it feels like we're it feels like we're back to normal yeah because my our last shows like was wipe it was viper room and in, in hollywood and a local show like in our hometown but we hadn't really played much before that we kind of were just not you know COVID was a whole thing so it's interesting to hear like where where it's getting normal again okay yeah it's I mean you know for better or worse and uh and different venues are doing different things I just saw somebody was still asking for vax cards Um, oh yeah we played most people are not yeah yeah. I, I we played a venue that I will not name, but they were literally turning people away 
um, who didn't have Vax cards and it bummed me out so much. Like, I know I get where they're coming from and I know why, but like, mm. I was seeing people just turned away, turned away and people being discouraged. And I mean, it makes sense. I mean, really, we all should be still worried about this. We should all be still vigilant, but it's just this conflict, this war that's like, it, every artist is like, ah, oh, like pandemic times. Like, should we even be like all together sweating at each other? And then like, but I want to play shows. Like, it's just so hard to, to reconcile that, you know? Yeah. It's hard to bring it. It's hard to bring it back to normal from this end too. It's like, to just encourage people to go out um yeah. there's still holdouts you know and understandably so i don't not judging them at all or anything but uh and maybe i'm just spoiled la's <laughs> la seems fine i was even at the regent and recently and people are just out and about bumping into each other still and you know packing themselves in venues and it's it's great wow. <laughs> and i feel like nobody's really talking about it anymore either like the new variants keep coming out and it's just becoming just this kind of peripheral thing and wow. uh, yeah. maybe good for us <laughs> or maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. We got our boosters, so we're all boosted and have mm. our flu shots. So we're just going to do what we can and we're going to keep playing as long as we're allowed to play. Mm. So, Well, good. And then <laughs> we'll welcome you back to the West Coast because uh, the Redwood Bar where I'm going to catch you um, is tiny and <laughs> yes, it is. easily packed. <laughs> yeah. And actually, when we played there last time, it was there's quite a few people there, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I So Detroit is a place that is not very populated in the sense that it was like built for like a certain number of people mm. and like people are still leaving every single year mm -hmm. um since like the 50s and so like even the airport like when I flew I couldn't believe it because I flew from Detroit to LA for my friend's um 10 year anniversary party for her record store Dead Rockers in Long Beach mm -hmm. and I was like it was my first time flying out of Detroit airport and like there's no lines there's no crowds there's it's just it's wow. so empty um, and then going from that to LAX reminded me like, oh my goodness, like you've had to recalibrate your whole body now. Cause like I go out and there's just, it's just, there's just not a lot of people. Like even the traffic is just like <laughs> traffic. I'm like, no, <laughs> like it's not like, it's just interesting living in a place that is so much less um, on top of each other. And it's so weird coming back to LA and being like, whoa, like, yeah, like you said, everybody is kind of crawling on top of each other and mm -hmm sniffing around each other and checking each other out <laughs> <laughs> it's nice though that uh in in a sense i guess that uh motor city is uh not so trafficy <laughs> not so no. traffic. Yeah. Well, people so people keep telling me telling me about traffic and i'm like are you kidding like <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> no <laughs> like no, that's it oh no. get there on time great <laughs> no I'm like 10, 15 minutes traffic. Okay. Granted, there are times when like, so the thing that happens here is that the roads are really like scarred and slashed and just like potholes the size of the size of bathtubs, potholes that will total your car. Like, oh my God, I've literally seen people with their cars um, messed up from potholes. <laughs> I've run over in the van giant pieces of like wood with nails sticking out. Like there's just oh my God. debris everywhere and the roads are horrible and it's like riding on a cheese grater it's real rough okay <laughs> so when that stuff hits the fan 
that's when there is like road closures and things happen. It's like, because of that, it's not because people are all kind of congested. And so it's a different situation, but that, and also like people here are less on their phones. Mm. I love that. And even at shows, I notice like, there's just not a lot of people even like trying to videotape the band on their phones, which I think is actually kind of cool. Like I always yeah. like to do that, but like people aren't just, they're like not living through their Instagram stories. Yeah. They're enjoying their life. I find that very cool. Yeah. And yeah, just like less, less everything all the time. Like it's more relaxed. I feel like it's a good place to like make music. I've been writing a lot of demos. I feel like there's a lot of clarity. So I'm excited to like see like where this whole journey takes us in terms of like what the next record is going to be. And like, maybe we like collaborate with some really cool Detroit people Mm -hmm. uh, as we kind of like get into it. So we'll see. And you finalized this record in Detroit, right? Or from Detroit? No, I mean, it was done. It was ready Mm. to go. It just wasn't out yet. So it was in the can, ready to roll, like when we talked last. Mm -hmm. But like, we always make sure that when the record is done, we have a couple months for promo. Mm -hmm. And so we were just like promoing and um, just like doing little music video things and just all that. But but yeah, it it came out. It was kind of weird because like we had our album release here Mm -hmm. and I had to like, be vulnerable and be like i don't think anyone's gonna come (laughs) (laughs) i don't know anyone here and i was thinking like should i even do a record release and then i was like slapping myself like you idiot of course of course like who gives a crap you Mm. make records to make records and it was a really magical night we played at smalls with some really cool bands and like we just had a blast and like Mm. people were enjoying it and i felt like immediately after the record came out there was this really fun wave of like, I don't know, just like new kind of people who had been listening to it, who had never heard of us. I think we had crossed over into some weird rock pop territory. So we were getting like really fun, like little interviews and like people just, just popping in to like, tell us what they thought of it and all that stuff. Yeah. And like, that doesn't always happen with every record. Last record, (laughs) like, you know, punk records, like who cares if they come out and you're like, yay. And you never hear about it again but like this record i just felt like the whole world was kind of like giving me a little high five when i needed it most because mm. i was like i don't know anyone i don't know why we did this this is a horrible decision where are we what are we doing and like it made me realize like this album modern adult kicks is definitely like universal in a new way and like we just made a lot of cool like friends and just like-minded people through the album just kind of coming out of the woodwork and like expressing that they enjoyed it and so that has been very very cool and i would not trade that for anything it was it's been really cool that's great because this one sounds like it like a clarification of vintage millennial in a lot of ways like you know like audibly it's like i don't know it just seems it seems like you wrote this yeah you you wrote this uh entirely after vintage millennial or were you writing it during yeah. the, you know during that process it was after it was like after. during 2020 2021 mm. yeah so vintage millennial that definitely had that theme of like i don't know what we all what a lot of us grew up with just looking to the past for the fun aesthetics and yeah. and culture and and yeah. uh, all of that and then you're moving to yeah modern adult kicks just in the truest sense of the title um it was like you had to 
clarify that you're not stuck in the past in a sense. And I thought that was interesting because it's so easy to get caught up in nostalgia, even just aesthetically. Um, and it was really cool that like, I don't know you, that you, you changed the sound entirely. Everything sounds so concise, tightened up. <laughs> it, it, it's like very tightened up and like deeper. Like, even if it's not my record, like any record, it's so hard to talk about music. I love hearing you talk about this. I can hear <laughs> you like use your words really carefully too. It's just like, yeah, like, I know what you mean. Like, it's so hard to like describe it. I feel like you did a really good job. <laughs> like, like, good job. <laughs> like, yes, clarification. Yeah. I have to keep remembering like you haven't talked to me since it came out mm -hmm. um, because man, yeah. I think, okay, so basically, <laughs> basically, I and the band, I uh, we are the band, whatever. I, I'm a different person now. 2020 mm. completely changed me. It, it broke me open in ways that just can never, ever be resealed. And it's bad until it's good. And like, you go through that dark night of the soul where you're like questioning your life. And, you know, I was in my early 30s. And even questioning whether I wanted to keep doing music, I, honestly, uh, I kind of almost let the, like the pandemic that kind of squashed all the dreams that we had, like touring and going to Europe and like just my dreams of like leaving California and, you know, Dr. Kane sold his comic book store. So it was like a big thing to like, we're going to take off now mm -hmm. and spread our wings. And then it was like COVID. And I think that modern adult kicks is like, I couldn't have it couldn't be what it was unless I had gone through some crap. And like, it just so happened that everyone in the band, obviously we all went through crap at that time, but like they all went through their own private things um, with like our drummer getting a really bad uh, skateboard accident. He could barely walk, let alone mm. drum. He actually only drummed, he, not only, he drummed for many of the songs on the record and did a great job. Mm. So actually Ben did a fantastic job, um, not to discount him at all, but like the fact that he was even able to do it um, with his knee being really messed up and his leg just like not working. And then like, you know, Dr. Kane sold his business and that was like a 10 year business that he built from scratch, Dr. Kane's comics. And like basically thinking like, okay, well, it's not that we just can't tour this, this cycle. We're never going to be able to tour. Like this is never going to happen. Like mm. there was a lot of dark thoughts going on. And I had other issues with my, some family members Mm -hmm. that I think you can hear on some of the songs, like you can hear a sadness, you can hear like a, a vulnerability that I've never expressed before as like a punk musician. And I think that all of those reasons are what made the album have resonance. Mm -hmm. And it's not even something we tried to do. Like it wasn't something we sat down and said, okay, let's be an adult now. Like the title came after because mm -hmm. you know, we don't want to be like adult and boring, you know, but I feel like like we basically got more adult and <laughs> and through that and like at the same time you know we got signed to kitten robot records uh owned by josie cotton who kind of like picked us up and dusted us off and was like you guys are you guys are great you're continuing this this tradition of power pop and punk and new wave and she wanted to like champion that and that was so inspiring to have someone believe in us and then uh, producer Paul Rossler who's a good friend of hers who's from like the seminal um, LA punk band the Screamers mm 
mm-hmm. and 45 Grave and has worked with so many amazing musicians, very much like punk royalty, like came in and like what you're saying about being concise and just being more clarified, you know, a good producer can do that to you. They mm-hmm. can say, here's the stuff you could c- cut out and here's the stuff you do well. And he did that and he added keys and he added backing vocals and he looked at the way I was singing and was like, what the heck? You're singing really weird. Like your technique is weird. And I was like, <laughs> oh yeah, it is. I've never actually tried to like sing correctly. And so there was, <laughs> that was funny. Cause he was like, you're breathing really weird. You're like gasping between words. And I was like, doesn't everyone sing like that? Um, Huh. No, no, not everyone <laughs> does that. And so like he was able to see like where we, you know, like a diamond in the rough, you know, you can see the places that need polish and the places that are like cut them off. And so I really, we owe a lot to Kitten Robot mm-hmm. Records and that's where that can like conciseness comes from. Mm-hmm. But I don't think, I just don't think we're the same band anymore. I don't think we're all about fun anymore. And I don't think we put so much, um, so much like, like, um, weight into like uh the aesthetic or like the idea of of reverence and being retro and like that I I have always been that person that's like very into retro stuff but like it kind of isn't as much a part of my identity anymore like Mm -hmm. I don't know I grew up more (laughs) and so (laughs) I'm just yeah I'm like in my mid-30s and I'm just like okay well this is my time so like let's make it fresh let's make it modern and let's not be afraid to do something real and just see what happens and maybe some of it doesn't land Mm. so that's kind of what we did and we were like I don't know if this anyone's gonna like this we've had some DJs play us a lot of radio DJs play us more now but some of them like they're like oh you're like not punk anymore we're not gonna play you so it's like this weird time of like Hmm. choosing you know you're choosing your path and we chose radio rock we did we chose radio rock and I thought about it a lot during the record. I was like, I want this to be like a green day record. I want this to be like a, well, early green day. Um, when mm-hmm. they first broke, I want this to be something like, uh, like taboo to me. Sounds like a Pat Benatar. Yeah. Kind of song. Like <laughs> I want it to be love as a battlefield. And mm-hmm. you know why? Because I want somebody's grandma and somebody's sister and somebody's mom and some little punk kid to like all connect to it. Mm-hmm. And I never felt that way before. Not I even with like, um, yeah. vintage millennial. Was that was that a pretty um, linear acceptance of like a by listeners? That was it generally the same kind of person that listened to it as opposed to this one. This one's more. No. <laughs> I feel like we went from like this many weirdos, like uh, small for our listening audience, a very small amount of weirdos listening to our music. To now, like, a larger amount of weirdos, but also, like, a larger amount of, like, normal people. Mm-hmm. And I think that's cool. Like, yeah, I, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Like, our hometown station, um, KCPR. I'm so bad about the, like, station names. KCPR. Oh, yeah. oh my God. KCBX. KCBX. Um, in San Luis Obispo has like been playing a lot of the songs and like we've been getting like terrestrial radio play mm-hmm. uh, and college radio play which was never anything we've really gotten before so that's been really cool like the college radio DJs are embracing us and that makes us feel very good and it just it we just leveled up you know the, the vintage millennial was recorded in a warehouse in Oakland you know this mm-hmm. one was recorded in a nice studio in LA so 
it doesn't mean that we lost our soul. It's just, you know, this is where we are right now. And we wanted to try to make something broader. And like, I, the reason I'm saying it so purely and so like crassly, really, I mean, mm. it's because I want people to hear that and think it's not a bad thing. I just feel like yeah. it's such a weird underground gatekeeping. I'm holier than you. Like I'm so cool mentality that keeps people out. And I think that's stupid. And I don't yeah. want to be anyone that supports that kind of mentality because it just makes no sense. It's like, if you're going to insulate yourself and isolate yourself, you're never going to like, I don't know. You're just, what's the point of that? You're just connecting with all the same people and mm. echo echoing each other. Oh, we're all cool. Oh, I think you're cool too. <laughs> I think you're cool. Too. It's like, it doesn't, it's not brave and it's not interesting. Yeah. Nothing me. happens. Nothing happens. More happens than that. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing happens. Yeah. So. And that's good to be clear because yeah, just the words radio rock already sounded <laughs> like, Huh, that's why I'm that's got a negative it. attention or negative uh connotation right or yeah. it could but um i've been going through a lot of radio stations lately and it's all the same stuff i go through all the vintage ones like all the ones i grew up with and it's just rat and queen and <laughs> you know <laughs> like the, the same songs cool. every time oh they're great but like yeah. every third song is rat or queen or yeah. <laughs> or maybe it's that one song like growing up it was all like all the well the like the new alt stations were all like um like Jane's Addiction and like Soundgarden yeah. and like that kind of thing yeah that kind of like grungy um and now like that's classic rock I guess but um like Nirvana is like classic rock um, yeah how do you feel about that <laughs> <laughs> you know when I was uh or in my teens I was like a little punk kid I had like a shaved head and would go to punk shows in LA and like was just like a little shit shit kid I was just a total shit and <laughs> I, like in every possible way like I was like a, not a good person but like it was fun it was a really fun time to be yeah. a teenager in LA and I just did whatever I wanted I didn't go to school I basically just dropped out of school just drinking and moved out whatever I just did my own thing but anyways I was wearing like the most 80s outfits at that time because mm. that was very like like the kids now want to dress 90s like I was like yeah. zebra print pants three <laughs> rows of studded belts and a bullet belt just on top of it so it's like super loud <laughs> and like hear everything and like a back patch and a butt patch and like you know just a leopard print collar on my like denim acid wash vest nice. that I acid washed myself <laughs> and I remember feeling embarrassed because I intellectually even though I was stupid at the time I intellectually knew that we were totally aping someone else's culture and time mm -hmm. and it felt kind of messed up in a way because all my friends were like mohawks and like but like in a very, very 80s way like we all were trying to be 80s yeah. everything we looked at that we thought was cool was from the 80s because it was before our time Mm. And so I remember kind of being embarrassed when I saw like Target was doing like, like eighties graphic tees with like Blondie <laughs> on it or whatever, or like Billy Idol. And like, yeah. I was like, Oh no, like, Oh, we're that, we're that generation. And now I look at these like youngins doing the nineties thing. And I'm like, you know, that it's stupid. You know, <laughs> you know, you're just borrowing. Like you kind of have to feel a little dirty about it. Yeah. To do it. I feel like, but I think we all go through that progression and it is weird. I don't know how I feel about like grunge music being on, you know, classic rock and like, Oh, Y2K fashion is vintage now. And it's just what? like, <laughs> Oh yeah. Like, 
like fast factory, like fast industry, fast fashion, big factory brands that we bought in the mall, like Wet Seal and like Abercrombie and Fitch and all that. Troops Y two K fashion is all considered vintage. It's all marked up. It's all expensive uh, when when you could buy it pretty cheap. Yeah, I don't know if you know this, but it's very. I watch, I kind of hate watch some YouTube channels of girls <laughs> that go and thrift this stuff because it makes me feel powerful because I was like, I had that when I was like 11. Like I definitely, <laughs> I definitely like have a little hate. I have a little hate. I am that millennial. I definitely still have that millennial hate. Like, like, like I think I'm the center of the universe and I can't really let go uh-huh. of like, I'm not, it, things aren't made for me anymore. Mm. They're made for you know the zoomers and gen z so yeah it feels kind of weird in that sense um yeah i feel like it they're, does. they're called out more probably uh, we didn't have social media the way they do now like we had myspace and we had the beginnings but, of twitter and but i would argue that they are calling us out with their technology like oh they it's even worse I, for us now yeah yeah i feel like they're not calling each other out like the gen zers are all like banding together to make us look bad be like (laughs) here's a bunch of videos why millennials wear their jeans stupid and (laughs) skinny jeans and side parts are bad and and chuggy and i don't know if you know about chuggy chuggy oh oh my gosh (laughs) okay so let's just educate the whole listening listenership if you are a millennial, which I should Google when that is, because we're all getting older. I think the la- the oldest millennial is probably like f- almost 40 or is 40, maybe. Yeah, it's like 80 to right? 92 or something weird. Yeah, okay. it might be 80 so, to 90. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. See, I, I forget I forget anything with numbers, but um, I can feel it, though. I can feel when someone's a millennial. But um, Chugi is a term that the Gen Zers gave them a lot, like anything that's uncool and uh-huh. very millennial culture. Some examples of chuggy things are girl boss culture, like anything that's like, yes, queen, girl boss, slay all day, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. I thought that Which, was their thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, what else? Skinny jeans, very chuggy. Like, <laughs> avoid, avoid all the skinny jeans, only wide length trousers. Are, are acceptable um wide leg trousers all right. anything anything that's millennial pink um anything that's like <clears throat> wine time or cult like coffee culture that's like wine o'clock or don't talk to me before i have my coffee or a t-shirt <laughs> that says first mimosas then coffee then yoga like that is all cheeky so i feel attacked wow. on a daily basis because you know <laughs> Girl boss culture came out. The reason it exists, and I want to tell Gen Zers this, but I don't want to be like that millennial. It exists because our mothers, like our millennials' moms, grew up in a really different society. Yeah. And they did not really have a lot of rights. And I, I just posted something the other day. It was like the the first woman who was born that was able to get, get their own um to apply for their own credit card is like 48 years old right now. Oh my god. We couldn't vote until 1920. Yeah. And and it's just wild when you think about it, right? And so of yeah. course the millennial women are gonna come in and like we're gonna take that spin on that and really like try to support women. And of course we're gonna do it in a very dorky way because we don't it's like our it's like the first generation after like the the true feminist like kind of 
uprising. Like we're mm. just like out here, like, oh yeah, like girl <laughs> boss. Like we're not, you know, women's <laughs> suffrage. Like we're not, you know, we're we're not owned by our husbands anymore. Yeah. And so of course we're just trying to like be playful about it. But of course the Gen Zers are like, well, of course everyone's equal. Everyone's born genderless and equal. And <laughs> and I love it. Like it's so it's so wild. I mean, I keep saying wild, but it's just so weird when you think about like how different their brains are and like how yeah. different their mentality is. And it's quite inspiring. So it is. It's, it's also cool. a little judgy, <laughs> but then it makes me think, uh, yeah. well, it's it's just like, OK, boomer. Right. You know, it's like we we look to that generation. It's like, oh, you guys are all kind of full of shit. And right. we've got our complaints. You've got your benefits and your, you know, it's good and bad 50 50. Right. But um to hear it from the next generation is like oh i didn't realize oh. i sound like that <laughs> right it's 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 disturbing Go, growing older is disturbing but i think one thing that's kind of fun about how i'm married to somebody who's 13 years older than me mm-hmm. he's a gen x very gen x um <laughs> gen xers man they are like the strangest people they're so <laughs> off-putting <laughs> off-putting <laughs> it's so like the counter counterculture right i mean gen xers were like the generation that was like just took no bullshit at all mm-hmm. still smoked cigarettes their parents had like been through like vietnam mm-hmm. and, like crazy dark stuff all everyone everyone was divorced at that time everyone was like a latchkey kid like there's just yeah. a lot of like hard knocks that happened to them and there was no like peace on earth and like we're gonna recycle like they didn't get any of that they just got like kind of a doom and gloom situation Mm -hmm. and i feel like they're and they're a very small generation generation x is like a smaller just less babies were born during that time i guess but anyways being being married to someone like that is so interesting because i can very very clearly see how uh he is that generation right above millennials yeah i can just see the incredible difference in terms of like inclusivity in terms of how we demand that we just work our own schedules and do our own thing gen xers didn't do that gen xers just got like they were told to just get like a nine-to-five job and they did Mm -hmm. and like that was a generation where everyone was like oh that's so gay that's so gay remember (laughs) that like yeah that was like them like we came out like oh no like that's not cool anymore like you know, we recycle, like, I don't know. I just feel like it just, it doesn't mean that these people that were born in this time are terrible people, but it's like, you just see like how being raised in a different society, like you almost, you almost are, you almost um grow to the limit that you're expected to get to. Like you're almost don't like, I don't think a lot of the Gen X kids were really like talked to, they didn't talk about their feelings, you know, like they weren't, they weren't able to grow like emotionally. <laughs> it makes them sound terrible. Well, but they were I mean, too busy. They were they were working and they were they were literally making yeah. like they were making rice aroni mm. and hamburger helper helper for their divorced mother. Like, yeah, yeah totally. Like yeah. trying to watch my so-called life and make dinner <laughs> and smoke cigarettes at the same time. Uh-uh. And you know, it's like it's just so fa- it's so fascinating and i just think if we can keep going up and raising the consciousness that is a beautiful thing so as much yeah. as i'm like complaining about it i do think that like wow think about like the kids that the gen zers are going to have and like what world they're going to inherit and like can we possibly turn this thing around can we possibly turn this environmental catastrophe around can we can we please you know yeah. and get rid of all the police 
brutality and all the problems that like millennials didn't fix. We didn't fix anything. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't fix much, but we, I think, I like to think that our generation kind of put eyes on it the way that the previous ones didn't. And then Gen Z has very little tolerance for that kind of shit. (laughs) So, which is great. And now they have, they all have microphones. Yeah, exactly. And like that whole call out culture, like, you know how every, every culture is known for something. And I just feel like when we look back at them, it's going to be like the, the judgy culture, mm-hmm. the the call out cult, like it's just going to be that because it is such, it's such an unprecedented way of living, like where we're all in fear basically all the time. Mm-hmm. And I said to myself, I misgender people. I do it. I don't do it on purpose. It definitely happens. It shows. It definitely mm-hmm. happens. And I am working really hard not to do that. I'm trying to do a better job. But the more I beat myself up and the more I feel like, oh, well, it's because I'm like, a closed-minded asshole or whatever like the more I do that the less I'm going to be likely to actually like change so mm-hmm. I don't do that to myself and I really don't allow other people to like come at me like that anyone that comes at me with that kind of like mentality I'm like okay you have some other bone to pick this isn't really about this issue between you and me it's about your own issue and I yeah. feel like that's the thing that Gen Z can't deal with where it's like nobody like there's a level of anger and aggression to what you're talking about that goes so beyond what the issue is. Yeah. It's obviously something going on like in internally. Yeah. You know. And that's where like elder millennial mentality comes out to it. It's like, hey, listen, chill out, little one, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Or <laughs> like, like, let me tell yeah. you about intolerance, you know. <laughs> totally. I mean, yeah. Because oh it was I, worse only 15 years ago, you know. I mean, as a woman, like growing up with like literally heroin chic, they called it that. They called it heroin chic. They called it heroin chic. That was what we were aiming to be. Mm -hmm. And we had magazines that told us we were all unacceptable and fat and ugly if we Mm -hmm. weren't like Christina Aguilera. And it wasn't, there was no other outlet. There was no like, like social media is quote unquote evil and bad. It also allows people that are of different body types and different, you know, modes of thinking to be like, I am worthy. I am cool. How cool is that? I didn't have that growing up. I am a white woman. Uh, I'm not like in a larger body or, you know, but at Mm -hmm. the same time, my sister was in a different situation. She's my half sister and she is part black and she is a curvier girl. And like, she grew up looking at me thinking I was this white bread example of like what she was supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And it really breaks my heart when I think about it because she felt so Mm -hmm. alone and she didn't have people to look to. She didn't have in the culture someone that looked like her. Mm -hmm. when I think about it now, I just think like, I, I just, my heart breaks for everyone that had to go through that. And of course there's stuff yeah. that's more important than body image. But like, when I just think of that alone, it's like, they called it heroin chic. They talked about how these models just drank diet Coke and smoke cigarettes. And that was totally acceptable. And all the magazines were like, how to be skinny, how to like, please your man. Like how weird, like it's just dystopian. Yeah. yeah it warped the generation of an, uh, the, the minds of an entire generation. Yeah. And no wonder we're all about girl boss culture and stuff. We're like trying to like rewire (laughs) our brains out of it. Well, it's liberation and it's like celebrating the fact that more or less you're freer than you were. Yeah. Uh, more or less, right? But um Yeah. We're all just doing it the best we can. I mean, the hippies are also trying, you know. Yeah. The hippies were trying to celebrate what they were had going on. And then you look back at the hippies and they were super sexist 
and pretty uh, racially discriminatory in some cases. Yeah, they were pretty um, awful too. <laughs> they had they their were downsides. Pretty, a <laughs> lot of them are pretty awful. Yeah. And so you look, we're all just trying to evolve. I mean, I don't know. Now we're just getting into like, like we could just go off on a total tangent with this. But <laughs> it's, this is a, this is a question that will be resolved in like a million years or yeah, like yeah. Maybe a couple hundred years when the earth explodes. So <laughs> I don't know. And when that time comes, we'll call this modern adult kicks also, I think, you know, (laughs) (laughs) these conversations, you know. Yeah. (laughs) How fun. No, it's not. I I explained um, torrents to a 20-year-old recently because she didn't know what they were. She had no idea what I was talking. I was like, you know what Napster is, was? And she's like, no. And I was like, (sighs) Right. Yeah. But it's funny so don't complain like, about subscription fees that's the equivalent of like boomers being like we had to walk 10 miles in the snow it's like you being like yeah. i had to go on limewire and like use my dial-up connection to yeah. like download like half yeah. an album half of a poison my computer yeah but uh, i had limewire and i my dad had a special computer set up because he's a computer guy mm-hmm. and he like had it set up for like downloading music. Mm-hmm. So a lot of my first, like, like all the Ramones that I first heard was like all on one burn CD that like my dad literally downloaded for me, which is really nice mm-hmm. illegally. And, <laughs> and like I do have a little bit of a weird thing where like certain bands, I just like use torrents. And so I don't really even know, like there was no art that came with it. It was yeah. just, you know, like that people talk about how like digital art is becoming just so like, I don't know hard to place and just and and people don't really have albums or listen to albums and it makes sense like I actually don't gravitate towards albums I like to listen to singles we did a lot of singles on this record and I I like singles yeah. <laughs> um so I because it, it reminds me of like how I kind of first got into music was like ripping and burning CDs from friends and like mm-hmm. mixed CDs and mixtapes even um in the beginning like mm-hmm. I don't I don't think it's that weird um no but some people some people will be mad to hear that because, you know, albums are important and there are definitely still albums that like you have to hear from beginning to end perfectly. So, well, they can hear what they want, but you just released an album. So, as <laughs> <You know, laughs> well, so. I honestly, I would just do singles. I mean, I, I like singles. That's why we did like four, four or five singles. Yeah. Four singles. Like I like singles. Um, albums are great to sell to people and I they do tell a story but I'm not like precious about albums at Mm. all and I won't be mad if like they go away I'm okay with that yeah I mean they're already kind of well they're coming back and then they're not and there's they sell them at Target now it's 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 weird yeah (laughs) it's it's a different time people's attention spans are getting shorter and shorter and I think it's okay to just kind of like accept that like yeah our, our attention spans are are shorter now. Like mm-hmm. if I'm brushing my teeth, I'm like looking at a YouTube video and if it's boring for five seconds, I'm turning on a podcast. And is that bad? Maybe, but it is what it is. And I feel like <laughs> in the music industry, we kind of have to like, again, I'm, I'm just not afraid of it. I'm not afraid of it changing. Like mm-hmm. who cares? Like if you write a really cool song, it's a cool song. So it yeah. doesn't have to be an album. It can be an awesome song and maybe they only maybe you only get a fan because they like that one song and that's how they get into you. That's okay. Yeah. But they got to listen to it instead of, you know, waiting yeah. for you to put out an album, put it, put it on an album. Yeah. And so much time has passed that they don't hear it at all. You know? Yeah. We, I think we need to remove all the barriers <clears throat> to art, like just, just mainline it into their veins. Like, 
make yeah. a make an Instagram reel or make a you know just we have the ability to it's there's it's a double-edged sword because you have the ability to really just like mainline our art into people like the whole single concept is like that you could just you could just drop a single every you know as quick as you could make one and if mm. I was making out I mean I'm making demos right now but if I was making real mastered mixed songs maybe I could drop a, a single every three or four maybe three months mm. and I could do that but on the flip side of that argument is that it feels it not just feels good to like make sure things are fully baked, but like it does make the art better usually. Um, Cause then you have time and context to like really think about and tweak and edit and change and consider and do all those little things that you don't do when you're just like firing it out into the universe. Yeah. So I think that's the dance right now, but I just think in general, people need to stop being so precious about the music industry. Nobody's like, oh my gosh, we used to have horse-drawn carriages. Like, okay, we don't anymore. Like, like everyone's like, ah, labels. Ah, ah. It's like, we, it's just not a thing anymore. Labels yeah. aren't a thing. You can be on a label and you can have a great time or you can not be on a label and have a great time. You could be on a, a label that like us, our label is a smaller, but like very involved label and yeah. they help us. And in many ways they help us. And in other ways we help ourselves. And like, that's okay. Like, it's not yeah. about signing some fancy contract anymore. And and there's so many, there's just so many ways people get so stuck in like how things should be. And it's like, well, why? It never has changed. It never has stopped, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and just time has shown that when you don't adapt, you die. You yeah. know, how many industries died? How many record labels just disappeared or merged with a bigger one because they, they couldn't, they wouldn't keep up, Yeah, you know, with the changes. That's I love the, the idea of singles. Yeah. I didn't make used to, but I do now, you know, um, make it easy. Yeah. I love Spotify still. And like everybody, you know, has every argument against Spotify, you know, justly so. But like you said, mainlining it to, to listeners, it's like, how else are we going to push everything to everybody? It's like, this is it. You know, this is the way to do it unless you want to pull up, you know, www.whatever.com and <laughs> hopefully somebody goes to your website which people don't do that anymore and... i mean it would be nice. okay it would be nice if spotify and streaming platforms did value artists enough to pay them more yes yeah. it would be nice but i think it's the culture it doesn't value art not just spotify it's the culture mm -hmm. if the culture valued art more i feel like spotify could charge more I feel like this works for novels. It works for paintings. There's very, very few artists out there that that do get paid a lot of money and the culture does not value it a lot. Mm -hmm. And it kind of never really has valued it that much across yeah. the board. There's like the people that really make it, like the Rolling Stones. Then there's like the middle class and they're a very small group. And then there's everyone else. And I mm -hmm. consider myself in that category. I'm in everyone else. I'm definitely not in the middle class of the music industry. And it's a cultural thing. I mean, it, that's, that's how I feel it is. And it would be great if there was a little bit more money, but you know, there's also like, um, sound exchange, which is a really great program or platform, not platform, but they pay out, um, plays for internet radio and they, they pay pretty well. And that's oh, really cool. nice. There is also publishing. If you get involved with the publisher, you place your music in different places. You put yourself out there to get, in, um, you know, movies, TV, all that stuff. Like we've been working with publisher because we feel like that's 
an interesting idea and there's ways to like go in that direction. And I feel like the people that are complaining are often just like, I put my stuff on Spotify and I'm not getting paid enough. And it's like, well, that's not all of the career. Like there's so many other things you could be doing, mm-hmm. but at, at, at in a larger context, it's like, I don't know, culturally, or if it wasn't Spotify, do you think somebody else was really going to pay you more for that? Like culturally, like look at what people get paid to play festivals and shows and like, the people that are paid thousands of dollars there, that's a small group. Like, yeah. It's not all of us. Like, it's not like becoming a doctor or a lawyer or like even a teacher. It's yeah. a very weird industry and it's really never been easy. It's never been easy for the majority of, of musicians. Mm-hmm. So I just try to, I try to think about too much. I don't want to think about it too much. I don't want to um, get negative. And so I kind of rationalize it to myself and not get mad. Cause I know a lot of artists are still like, oh, well, I, you know, when it was just CDs, I could do this or, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's just not that like the things are free. It's like, we all have, it's like the LimeWire or like torrent concept. Mm -hmm. That's basically what's happening. And all over again. Yeah. It's just what it is, what it is, Mm -hmm. but bother me. I mean, make a, make a record because you can sell those for $20 a pop all day long. Yeah. Right. And then you sell merch around it, then you play and then you do x y and z do it all t-shirts i mean just get good mm. like we're really good at making t-shirts we we basically say we're a t-shirt company that makes music sometimes <laughs> <laughs> and we do great we sell t-shirts and we you know what we do we think about what people might want to wear it's not even about our band it's like what would be a cool design for a person and like mm. we're like thinking about we're thinking about people like that you know yeah. if you really want to make music a business you do have to think about it as like how do you serve these customers it's not all about how cool you are you know mm give them something to be excited about. Yeah. And it's, and it's finding a balance between like commerce and art, right? You can do both, but it will be a delicate balance if you want to do it a certain way. And then you find the difference between, you know, fans of your music and your work and then just consumers who just want to buy things. And then, you know, if you don't have anything, they're not going to buy, or if you don't have anything they want, they're not going to buy it or listen to your music for free or do this and that. And Yep. It's that's a balance. The like... component. That's why I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, everything's marketing guys. Everything's marketing. And it, people get mad at me, but it's like, it is, it's all marketing. Just it's all marketing and it's yeah. okay. Marketing, marketing is okay. As long as you're not trying to deceive people. Cause yeah. it's really just, you have a message and you're finding the best way to get it out there. And if you believe in it and you think it's like helping or making the world more sparkly, that's a fabulous thing fabulous way to live your life i don't think there's anything wrong with it i'd like to see a lot more bands think about marketing and like actually try to create a concept around what they're doing because we're humans we like stories we like concepts to dig our little teeth into mm-hmm. I, and um yeah that's that's what it's all about i mean all the people that are successful and you look at them they've really put a lot of thought not just not just into the art but into how do i tell this story how do I make it interesting? And how do I serve someone? How do I delight someone? Mm-hmm. How do I, how do I um, relate to someone? I mean, what more intimate act can there be, but then trying to relate to someone through art that will never, ever die, even mm. when your body dies and it will still affect people yeah. long after you're dead. I read books all the time. And I think like me and this guy are homies. This guy's dead. Yeah. This author's been dead. And how, awesome is that i mean that is better than getting paid that yeah. is the cool, <laughs> that is what it's all about and mm. i love that idea that is like 
That's the good. It transcends everything. It transcends generations, time. Yeah. Yeah. That's why artists do what they do. Yeah. I think we have to remember that it's, it's, it's legacy. It's, it's a fun game. (laughs) (laughs) That's a a great point too. I've been seeing these ads uh, for like catered toward artists of like, you don't have time to do social media. You don't have time to market and this and that we'll take care of all that for you. And you can focus on your art. And I'm like, just what you said, it connects you with your audience though. All of that footwork kind of does. Yeah. It's a full-time job and it sucks and you probably can't get to it all the time. And you know, every barrier will show up when you try to do something, but it does connect you when you do stories, when you post, you guys post a lot. You guys, you guys always do something. (laughs) It's great. You know, even if it's just a meme here or there, it, it keeps eyes on you to people who want to see what you're doing. And it's, it's just part of your life and it's, well, you know, it's it seems way, so important. It's a two way street too. It's like, I'm not just out there trying to like broadcast my own thing. I'm like trying to interact and engage. And those are the numbers I look at engagement comments. I don't care about like vanity metrics. I care about like, did I reach somebody, you know? Mm. And, and if you could, if you told 10 year old versions of us, Hey, when you're older, you could have a little device in your hand that connect you to any person in the world you'd be so happy. It would be like the most awesome world doll book or something. Like Mm -hmm. it's a magical, it's like James and the giant peach. It's magical, 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 magical. And that's just all about mentality. And um, yeah, it's free. It is a free thing that you can do that can, that can connect you to people that are, can relate to you and you can make them feel less alone. How cool is that? I mean, it's Mm -hmm. all about just context and yeah, we are the product because we are being sold ads, but that's why we all need to maybe in the future get like some <laughs> tech addiction um, help, <laughs> including myself. <laughs> I feel like the kids should be getting that. I think now that we have two and three-year-olds on iPads and the adults around us are all addicted, all our parents are addicted, we're addicted. Mm-hmm. Now I think that needs to be part of like public service. Like we all get to have like a little two week, you know, you know, course on like, you know, sexual (laughs) harassment. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And, but, but really it is a way to connect with other people. And I was a kid who felt very isolated and alone. And my first outlet was I had a blog that in like 1996, and I was Mm. like in my walk-in closet with my computer. And I had people from all around the world who were like weirdos and did art and different stories and visual arts and they we all connected and they it all went up on my website and I met the coolest people through it and like I don't know I just feel like there's so much more good than bad that can be done as long as like you know we put a stop to the fake news and everything like mm-hmm. we need to be able to control some things I don't know it's, it's kind of a weird topic too like we could probably go on that tangent for a long time <laughs> and I'm definitely not well versed enough I but I am versed in that sense of like like to me, marketing is not a bad word. It's as long as you believe in your message and you're getting it to the person that needs it, it's actually quite a, a great cause and you should mm-hmm. do it. Um, yeah. So long as, like you said before, so long as you're not being deceptive and you're not trying to yeah. steal from somebody, you know, <clears throat> yeah. you're not selling snake oil. You're just putting eyes on your art. Yeah. And art inherently should be of value, mm-hmm. emotional and 
psychological and cultural value. I mean, I don't care if the culture doesn't value it mon monetarily. It is very, very valuable. So I think it's a travesty for anyone who's not putting that effort behind getting their work, their, their music, their art, whatever out there. So I want to be a champion for those people and just say, I believe in you. You should do it. That is the DIY ethic. And mm. every single person should have their own little platform and do their own thing. Whether you're like a stay at home dad and you talk about how much you love doing that and you expose other men to the idea of being a stay at home dad, mm. or you're really my, my dad actually, <laughs> he loves this trans woman who does, she takes things apart. She takes like, like guitar pedals apart and different electronics. I mean, it's really, when you think about how niche you can get, you could just be the nichest, nichest niche. Yeah. I mean, I just think that provides so much joy for people. I mean, why, why not embrace that? Yeah. I, mean, I really am a champion for like modernity. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I, I want all of us to have our own, you know, 15 minutes of fame and like have our own channel. I think it's really groovy and very cool. Yeah. I love it that <laughs> as niche as you can get, I've been, I've been falling down some rabbit holes on YouTube and it's like, man, there's this whole community around like ham radio. I, I, oh, I bought this antenna and this like digital thing that you know, I could plug into my computer and listen to the radio on my computer. And there's this entire community and this, uh, of course, radio is a hundred years old. Right. And it's been around, <laughs> but there's this whole, just like underground almost network of people that know everything there is to know about radio and like basically using it as the internet. And it's bizarre because nobody talks about it except them. That's <laughs> so cool. Yeah. I yeah. love that. It's so neat, you know? And yeah. That's I love, why I like Reddit. Like, I feel like your ham radio people would definitely be on Reddit. Oh, they are. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's my first, my first introduction to them was on Reddit. And it's like this multiple communities, multiple channels. And, and it's, it's just neat. Yeah. Yeah. Anything that can allow all those weirdos to, to, uh, to, to meet. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, like the, it's like the AV club, you know, times a thousand. Yeah. And they all get to be together. <laughs> I mean, not, not everyone has like a, a very, a tight knit, you know, family of origin. It's, it's really cool when you see people that feel seen by their community and their community is small and weird, but they see each other. I think that's really beautiful. And, mm -hmm. and the internet can do that. I'm cool with that. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And there's people out there producing these things, which is, <laughs> I think more to that, more to your point before it's like, they're producing these things, they're marketing and they're. Yeah. yeah, they're getting it out there. And I heard, uh, I just talked to this um, this graphic artist uh, last week who was saying, and he was quoting somebody else. He said, it's um, it's art when you, it's only art when other people see it. Uh, when <laughs> when it's only you, it's therapy. And Ooh. Ooh. I like, right? That's <laughs> like, I don't know how to, how to feel about that. That's a lot to like soak in. That's, I like it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I I've heard that too. I don't remember where it's from. I uh -huh. agree with that. And I'll tell you why I agree with it. I agree with the premise that everything is better with participation. Everything, yeah. my spirituality and like the things that keep me right in the world all have to do with getting out of my own head, out of my own ass. I'd like to say uh -huh. that is what, that was what art does for the artist and for the viewer. It brings mm. both outside of your own realities into a liminal space where you're sharing 
this moment together, mm-hmm. whether you painted something a hundred years ago and someone's seeing it at that moment, you're sharing that together and it's participatory. That mm-hmm. is why I agree with your friend there, your graphic artist friend, because mm-hmm. participation is everything. Yeah. And I, I totally agree. If you are sitting there creating art and you are not sharing it, one, what the heck? You're never going to get better. And why would you ever do that? I mean, I've definitely done it. <laughs> I continue to do it with my own fiction that I'm working on. I do it all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't. Sh- but two, um, that is not what why we were put on the the earth we weren't we weren't put here to just look at our own navels and <laughs> both around mm-hmm. no it's it's different human beings looking at it in different ways 100% i totally agree with that you couldn't have said something that i agree with more <laughs> and i want to remember that because there's definitely stuff i work on that i haven't put out that I'm just working on working on. And it's like, at a certain point, you need to put stuff out to just have it bounce against someone else's perspective. And that's like the beauty of life. I mean, that's the beauty of, that's the beauty of living in a city too. It's like you, you have the opportunity to run into someone from a halfway around the world who now lives next to you. Mm-hmm. And we're forced to be in their presence and to have your expectations, um, you know, messed with, you know, mm. and poked at. And that is what is so great about like being a human being. Mm-hmm. I agree with Sharing you. Everything. Yeah. This cultural exchange in, in every sense and at every scale. I love it. Yeah. I so Isolation is bad for humans. I mean, there is not a human being that will live longer in an isolated environment. Like it, they've, there's science just proving that like loneliness is a terrible, terrible, um, you know, comorbidity. It's like very, very, yeah. very bad for us. And as someone who tends to be, I do tend to isolate when I'm going through a hard time. I say it for myself and I say it for listeners. I say for anyone that needs to hear it, like you do need to get out of your own head and go and not even meet someone who's more, more in a bad place than you are. I'm not saying mm-hmm. that, but just literally the act of going outside, going for a walk and seeing other people and seeing other humans, that's it's like part of who we are. Like we have to do that. Yeah. You know? And that's the issue. That is the main issue with Republicans and Democrats. I mean, not to like go yeah. really wildly left field, <laughs> but like people it's, it's really, I don't know who said this, but here's a good one. Mm. It's really hard to hate people close up. So lean in. I think Brene Brown may have said that. So move like in. That. it is really hard to hate someone close up. And that is, just I mean it, it like yeah you think about people you hate and you don't want to hang out with and if you really got to know them and their mom and their dad and went to dinner with them and yeah. walked a mile in their shoes you would have empathy yeah and this separates people who want to change or who aren't so tied to that ideology with people or from people who want to separate and they want to say no I hate these people I'm never associating with them period and never getting near them you know some people are there's this guy i listened to um uh daryl davis uh he's this he's this um he's an author and among other things he is this black man from texas i think and he converted clan members 
Wow. Like he got them out of the clan and it all started with him like playing blues in a bar and this clan member was there and just happened to say like, I never heard blues like that before. And he it was the first time he ever spoke to a black guy. And he's like, this is the first time I ever had a beer with a black man. And he's like, I find that hard to believe that's, there's no way. And they start talking a couple of years later, he hands him his, his uh, grand wizard outfit. And he's like, yeah, I'm done. You're pretty cool. (laughs) You know? (laughs) And like, and the best part of that story is like, it was not that it was because of music, but like music is a, you know, universal language that, that kind of closed that gap. That's so cool. I love that story. And and like, that's what else would have done illustration. That? yeah that's that's it you know that is it yeah it wouldn't have and, been on reddit you know <laughs> for them you know connecting and it had to be in person it had to be up close at the same table you know yeah yeah and and you just notice the thing you notice is like everybody wants the same basic things they want self-respect they want to be respected they want to be loved they want to be accepted they want to be safe they want to be heard. They want to be seen. And and like, if you can validate that for somebody that you don't agree with ide- ideologically, mm-hmm. you can also, you can validate all of those like humanistic things that they want and knowing like, oh, you just want to be heard, to be seen and to be respected. Like you can, ch- you can move mountains, you know, mm-hmm. that you can, you can change so many minds. And yeah, I think politicians try to do that <laughs> <laughs> and they just fail miserably, but they they definitely try and I their speeches sometimes I I know they don't write their own speeches yeah but I often think about the speechwriters because they are marketers yeah speechwriters are like the highest marketers and the wizards of marketing and yeah mm-hmm. it's amazing what like you know what how you can relate to somebody and kind of turn their turn their tide it's yeah cool. music is the way to do that yeah that's a quick way <laughs> that's a quick yeah. way for sure. Uh, looks like we have a visitor coming in. Oh yeah. I mute this. Oh yeah, sure. Hang on. I can pause this too. Okay, I just muted for your. I felt bad because I felt like you probably could edit that out. Oh, no worries. Dr. Yeah, Mark. easily done. Yeah, Dr. Kane is home. So, oh, say hi. That's hello. <laughs> That's hi. <laughs> cool. Well, great talk. Like... Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a good, good spot to, uh, to yeah. end it. We went into so many deep places i wasn't expecting to go (laughs) (laughs) neither neither did i that flowed very well (laughs) yeah but i appreciate it and thank you for asking me a million questions i'd never get asked (laughs) (laughs) anytime (laughs) usually how it goes (laughs) i appreciate that i think there's there that you you know you do ask great questions and that makes you interesting and your podcast interesting so thank you for having (laughs) an interesting perspective and allowing me to blow smoke for an hour. (laughs) It feels good to get things out, huh? It does. (laughs) It was therapeutic. It was art though. It was also art. It is art. Well, it'll be art when I post it. (laughs) That's right. 
That's right. It's only art if you post it. Yeah. Otherwise, <laughs> this was a pleasant conversation, <laughs> but That's isolated. Right. Yes. I, I look forward to commodifying this and <laughs> I, I will be marketing it and oh, yeah. it'll be reaching ears and maybe changing minds. Yeah. That's the idea. <laughs> well, so uh, what shows do you have coming up? The one so, on the 26th, I think, is uh, yeah. Redwood. And I'll be catching yes. you there. But you, you, you've got a few between that, I'm sure. Um, this Friday, the 11th mm. of November, we'll be in Detroit. Um, on November 18th, we'll be in San Diego. On November 19th, we'll be um, in San Pedro, California. Mm. Um, and then on the 26th, we will be in Los Angeles. And all of our dates and info can be found on um, my website, HaleyandTheCrushers.com, uh, with two Ys, H-A-Y-L-E-Y. So mm. that's what we have going on. And then other than that, we're just working on demos and we'll try to have a single out for you guys soon. Cool. Looking forward to it. Yeah. And I'll be, I'll actually get to take pictures at this show too. So Ooh. I'm excited. <laughs> I don't think well, they're going to charge. I, I love a photo. So just let me know and I'll try to get you on the, the list for some, some fun media marketing magic <laughs> <laughs> sounds good awesome and hopefully uh hopefully heather can make it too uh i haven't seen her yeah. in a while yeah yeah i would love to see her i've never met her in person oh no i met her twice in person <laughs> oh my gosh she's like a mystery she's like a mystery girl i can't wait to meet her yeah she's, she's great like, I, I don't know if she's actually going to like like match what i imagine you know because mm. I've, I've just really built her up in my mind as this amazing like publicist and uh, just amazing person. So. Oh yeah. She's yeah. Professional as hell and sweet as hell. Very nice. Yeah. Hopefully she can make it. We'll both pressure her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally do that. And anytime you want to chat again, just let me know. I, I love talking to you and be happy to send you any merch. So if you want like a shirt or a, a record or anything, or I guess I'll see you at the show. We can talk about that then. Hell yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I would love that. Yeah. I'm definitely getting a, definitely going to get a t-shirt. I always get a t-shirt at a show. So. Okay. That's happening. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Ooh. Cool. Good to see you. And you good too. talking again. Yeah. Take care. You too. Bye. Toodaloo. Toodaloo.